So I want to start, I know that over the past few weeks um, we've been talking about Love Illuminated and over the last few weeks I've talked a lot about moving and so I'm sorry that I keep talking about it but it's just you get so many stories <clears throat> when you move and so I've got one more today. Um, Tuesday, May 19th is a day that I don't think I'll ever forget. That a while back we decided we were going to move into um, my, my parents' house back here and so we were planning to do that when school ended because if we moved it was going to change busing situations and and so we had planned to wait until the end of the school year and then we were going to make the move but because of the whole covid thing and school changing we decided to just go ahead and 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 make the move happen a while ago and so so tuesday may 19th was moving day we had you know, organized everything. We were closing on Friday. We had to be out of our house. And so Tuesday, I had sent the text, you know, that text that you, you always hate to send, but saying, hey, I need help. Can you help me move? I get a lot of those texts. I really hate sending them. Um, but I sent the text out. We had the plan that Tuesday. We were going to get everything together. Um, just so you know a little bit about me, I went on vacation last week. I left after church Sunday, and I packed after church Sunday. And so... So we were ready to move on Tuesday, as in like we had a truck rented and people coming, but the plan Tuesday was to get ready to move Tuesday. Um, we'd been doing all this work, and so we had it all figured out. It was all going to work out at about 4 o'clock. We had guys that were going to come help. We had a truck rented. It, it was going to be great. And so Tuesday, May 19th, that was the plan. I, I was uh, woken up by one of the boys who came in my room and woke me up, and he said, Daddy there's water in the basement. And I, I thought, I, I said, wait, what? There's water in the basement? He said, yeah, there's water in the basement. So I immediately got up. I went downstairs, and sure enough, our basement was flat. How many of you had water in your basement in May? Yeah, it was everyone in our street. There were so many vans on our street um, for basement restoration. But, but I, I go downstairs, and sure enough, um, there's water in our basement. The, the storage rooms are covered. The bathroom floor is covered. It's coming up through the carpet. And so here we are. It's moving day. The plan is set. We're thinking we've got work to do before we get ready to move. Now we have more work to do. And so I stood in my basement um, that morning, and I just thought, I have no clue what to do right now. I felt helpless. Um, I, this is the second time in, in like three weeks that I've admitted to you that I felt helpless. I promise you, I don't very often feel that way. In fact, I, I feel like I've lived a pretty, um, a pretty, not sheltered, but a, a, you know, a privileged, a good life. I haven't been in need a whole lot, but Tuesday, May 19th, I'm standing there on moving day, looking in my basement and I'm thinking, I need help. I'm in trouble. And so I found myself in this place of panic, um, and I felt helpless. But within hours, I had help. I didn't know what to do, but within hours, people started coming to help us. We, our realtor, um, the Parkers who, who sold our house, showed up and brought their three kids and were helping us tear out um, carpet pad and wring it out and get it cleared out. Um, JR from the church here was over there helping me get the sump pump fixed so we could get the water out. Um, Corey Betcher and, and Linda Romer and the Dockeries were over and they were helping us organize and get stuff out of the basement. So I went from this moment of panic and need and helplessness to this moment of seeing all of these people come and help and love us. 
And so we got the basement kind of situated. Um, we got ready for the move. I went and got the truck, and at 4 o'clock, just tons of people showed up to help us move. And, and it was like this big party between the two houses. We took a couple trips with the trucks, and there were three or four cars that were going back and forth. And, and it was just this great time of moving all our stuff into the new house. Um, and we finished that probably around 10 p.m. And the problem was we had to go back to the other house and get all the carpet torn up and taken out so that we could, they could get all the water out in the days to come before Friday, before we closed. And so at about 10 o'clock, all these people had helped. And at about 10 p.m., um, a couple of my good friends, um, Corey Betcher, who had been with us since that morning, um, Pastor Adam, who had been with us moving um, all evening, um, Rob Polk over here, they, they came with me to the old house and we started cutting up carpet and rolling it up and putting it in the truck. And, and all things said and done, it was like midnight, maybe even a little later before we were done with all this. And so this, I mean, I thought I had an idea what Tuesday, May 19th was gonna look like. It looked totally different. And when I found myself in a place of helplessness, of complete struggle, I saw love illuminated. And I will never forget that day, not because, see, when things like that happen, it's easy for us to remember the difficulties, and it could have been a day that I always looked back on as a day of chaos and just, I mean, just a, a rough day. But you know what? I don't think I'll ever forget that day because I don't think I'll ever forget the love that was poured out on me and my family by our friends and the people of this church. And we saw God's love at work through people that were willing to come at midnight and tear up carpet, through people that showed up in the morning when I didn't even know what to do and help us. It was an amazing day. And so when I say I'll never forget it, that's not a negative thing. I'll never forget the way that people loved us on that day. We're talking about love illuminated, and this is what it's all about, that God's love would be illuminated in us as we love others. And so we've talked about through this series, um, first off, we talked about the fact that if we are going to be followers of Christ, if we are going to be Christians, we have to be a people that love others. There is no room for hatred in, in the heart of a follower of Christ. We are called to love others. Last week, we talked about the fact that God shows us what love is. We're going to talk about that a little bit more here. God shows us what love is. Then God comes into our heart and teaches us and transforms us so that we grow in our love for others. And then that is evidenced when we go out and love each other. And so I want to start with a question. I'm going to ask you this question. I'm starting with a question 10 minutes in. I'm not really starting with the question, am I? Um, I'm going to ask you this question several times. I want you to really think about this today. How has your love been shown in other people's lives in the last days, in the last weeks, in the last month? How has your love been evidenced through action in loving other people in the recent days? We're studying 1 John, um, we've been studying 1 John for the last few weeks, and we're going to continue looking at chapter 3 today. And 1 John is written into the church, and in this day the church had gone through um, just a really rough time, a, a place kind of like I was when I walked down to my basement and didn't know what to do and I felt helpless. The church had gone through this division, 
And some of the people in the church had decided that they were going to break off from the church. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God or the Messiah. But that wasn't good enough. They wanted to cause division and difficulty within the church. And so 1 John, a letter or a sermon, or, you know, is written to remind the church who we're called to be, who we serve, and what we're called to do. And so we're going to look at chapter 3 today, verses 16 to 18. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with, not with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So last week, one of the things that I said was that we should measure, we should look at our love, we should compare our love to the way that Jesus loves us. That should be the standard for our love. When we look at, am I loving other people the right way, the standard should not be the world or the media or movies or any of those things. The standard should be Jesus Christ. So this first thing reiterates this. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's what love is. So on that Tuesday, I found myself in one of the biggest times of need that I can remember in, in my recent um, past. But Jesus came to us in our greatest place of need, our brokenness, our sinfulness. See, see, we were created to be in union with our creator, with God, but we were broken and sinful, and Jesus saw our struggle, saw, saw our brokenness, saw our need, and met us with his active love in our biggest place of need. He laid down his life. He not only said, Don't, aren't you glad that the Bible, does, God doesn't say, hey, you're messed up, I love you. But, but Jesus came so that he could lay his life down to put action behind his love so that we could be free to live, to be forgiven, to have the grace of God at work in us. And so Jesus saw our greatest need and Jesus' love was put to action. Why? Because he loved us. And when you love somebody, when you really love somebody, and they're hurting or they're in need, what do you do? You help them. Your love is not theoretical, it's action. And so real love isn't merely a fee an inward feeling, it's shown by demonstration. And the ultimate demonstration of real love is Jesus giving his life on the cross. So. Um, the, the guys, I mean, guys that I grew up with, guys on staff, um, we say things sometimes like, you know, someone will make a claim or someone will, will say something and we'll say, prove it. Have you ever said that to someone? Prove it. Like they say, I think I could do that. Well, prove it. Or I could do, prove it. And so um, how many of you remember, uh, well, actually, I don't think you guys were here, but in our last series before COVID, there was this um, octagon platform just right down there where those first few chairs are. And it was sitting there. And so during the whole time that COVID was happening and we weren't meeting here in person, 
during that whole time we were coming here and we were recording the services. And let me just tell you a little bit about the way my mind works. I've, I've told you this before, but when I see a mountain, my first thought is, could I climb it? When I see a, a gap or a jump, my first thought is, can I jump that? Um, it, when I, I'm, I'm not even kidding, we were in Gatlinburg this week and there was a pool table. And my first thought when I see a pool table is not, let me play some pool, my first thought is, could I jump over that? Do any of you think that way? It's a really dangerous way to think. Um, and so there was this, so for the last several months before we came back to, to church in person, there was this octagon-shaped platform there. And every week I would come and I would look at it and I would think, could I make that jump? Could I do it? And, and I made the mistake of saying to um, Jay and to Pastor Adam and, all, you know, to all the guys, I said, hey, do you think, um, Pastor Jay, that I could make that jump? And I made that mistake. So Jay, I mean, you guys know Jay's athletic, right? So he comes up here and he stands right here, two feet, and he jumps and easily makes the jump to the platform. I mean, easily, like clears it. And so I'm feeling like, okay, if Jay can do it, like... I can do it, right? So I get back here. I'm not going to try to jump from here. That's just silly. That's 20-something-year-old stuff. So I get way back here, and I get my running start, and I jump, and, um, and I prove something, but it was not that I could make the jump. I very nearly, like, tore my knee apart because I did not make the jump. And so here's the thing. When, when we think we can do something or when we talk about love, that has to be proven. I could tell them all day long I could make that jump, but if I can't prove it, I can't do it. And I can tell somebody I love them all day long, but if I'm not willing to prove it with my action, it's not real love. The second thing I learned is that I've got to stop hiring young athletic people because it's killing my ego. I mean, I feel older every day. But, but love has to be evidenced with action, with demonstration. And so we see in verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Not because God said that he loved us, not because Jesus said that he loved us, but because he laid his life down, died on a cross so that we could have life. That's love. I don't know about you, but somebody can tell me they love me all they want. If I don't see it in action, if the action doesn't back up the words, I don't believe it. It's not real love. And so, so there's three things I want to look at. This is kind of review from last week, but three things that we see in verse 16, that first part, and then we're going to look at the rest of it. But this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So number one, we just talked about love leads to action. Number two, real love is sacrificial. If you love somebody, and if you put action behind the feelings of your love, it's going to cost you something. It's sacrificial. For the people that came and helped me move, it cost them their time, it cost them their energy, their sweat, it went late into the night. In order to love somebody and serve somebody, you lose something. It's sacrificial. So Jesus' love was active, Jesus' love was sacrificial, and then the third part, and, and this is probably the biggest one, real love is life-giving. It's not arbitrary, it's life-giving. If you really love somebody, then your love should make a difference in their life. Real love is not empty, but life-giving. And, and so this is something I, I saw in one of the things that I studied, and I thought this was so good. The greatness of God's love is not just in action. 
I mean, action doesn't always mean love, right? It doesn't always translate to love. It's not just in action, and it's not just in sacrifice. This was, I thought this was funny. The, the commentary I was reading said that if you were standing on a, on a bridge and somebody ran past you and said, I love you, and jumped in the water and drowned, did they really love, like, did their love have any effect on you? I mean, you, you didn't need that. It, w- it was pointless. But if you're drowning, if you're hurting, if you're in a place of great need and somebody jumps in and gives their life for you, that's true love, right? The greatest evidence of the love of God for us is not just the action, it's not just the sacrifice, it's the result that God's love gives us life, that we can be forgiven and have hope. And so real love is active, it's, it's sacrificial, and it's life-giving. That's what love is. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. That's what love is. So let's look at the rest of it. It says, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So that's what real love is, that Jesus gave his life for us. Now what should we do? We should give our life for others. That's some hard stuff, isn't it? That's more than just uh, helping someone move. That's more than just giving a little bit of your time. This says if we're gonna really be people of love, we have to lay down our lives for others. Now, I think sometimes um, we can think that that means we've gotta go die for somebody else, and I think maybe sometimes that has to happen. There are people that give their lives for other people, for our country, for lots of different things. Sometimes you are called to lay down your life for others. But I love that it goes on in verse 17. And it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and truth. So sometimes we get the big picture, but what we're really being called to do is just give of ourselves to lay down our lives. This is a quote I saw. We often consider ourselves ready to lay down our lives in one great, dramatic, heroic gesture. But for most of us, God calls us to lay down our lives piece by piece, little by little, in small but important ways every day. This isn't just about jumping off a bridge or dying for, this is about daily serving others and giving of yourself for others. Love in action. And so I wanna ask you again, how is your love at work in the lives of others? How is your love shown through your actions. I I really want you to be thinking about this. What have you done that has been the evidence of your love for others? Because we're not just called to sit in the church and say that we love people. Sometimes it's easy to do that. I love those people. I want to see that change. And we sit here and we're comfortable. But I believe God calls us to put that love into action. And I believe God's plan to change the brokenness of the world around us is to use God's love at work in and through us to change people's lives. And so God's love has to be put to action. It says, if anyone has material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in that person? We are called to help people in their need. 
We are called to sacrifice every day for others. I was thinking about this, and there are a lot, Jay mentioned this in his prayer, there are a lot of things in our world that are broken and messed up. One of the things that troubles my heart more than, one of the things that troubles my heart more than anything else is that I was really blessed to have a great family and a great childhood and to grow up loved and cared for. And it breaks my heart to think that there are children in our community who are not given that same love and that same care. And it's always broken my heart. If I could fix it today, I would. I would, I, I've thought about maybe I should just buy a huge house. I can't, I don't have the money, but maybe I should just buy a huge house and just bring all the kids that I could in to help them that need that. I would love to do that, but I can't. And sometimes I think we look at the big problems, the injustice we see in the world, the hatred, the division, the, the problems, the needs, and we look at it and we think, I can't really make a difference there. But here's the thing. If God transforms us, and if we grow in love, and if our love turns to action, you and I every single day have the opportunity to love people who are in need. We may not be able to fix the whole system by ourselves, but I firmly believe if the people of God who are called by, by the name of Jesus Christ, Christians would step up to the plate and not just say we love people, but go actually put our love into action and serve other people and lay down our lives, I fully believe that this world would change. And I think that's what God wants, is for us to give and to serve Jesus gave everything for us. We're going to sing it in a second. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. We need to love others with a sacrificial, life-giving love. And so every day I have that opportunity when I go to the store and I see someone in need, when I drive down the street and I see someone in need, when I come to work, when I see people in my family, when Megan teaches at a, at a school and every year there are people in her class that need to be shown the love of God. And every single one of us, if we would open our eyes to the needs of the people around us, would have plenty of opportunities to put our love into action. But we've got to see the need and we've got to be willing to lay down our lives piece by piece every day for others. In his book, uh, Love Does, um, Bob Goff says this, we need to stop plotting the course and instead just land the plane on our plans to make a difference by getting to the do part of faith. In the end, love doesn't just keep thinking about it or keep planning on it. Simply put, love does. Listen, if we are going to follow Christ, if we are going to call ourselves Christians, it's so much more than showing up to church and worshiping God through our singing and reading the Bible and praying. It's so much more than that. God shows us what love is, and God calls us to love others. Let me tell you how this works. There, there was somebody just in my everyday life that I had, well, maybe not every day, but I saw them regularly. And, and honestly, I had never really stopped to see the opportunity to love them and show them the love of God. And all of a sudden, God 
open my mind, open my eyes to see that I had an opportunity to show his love to somebody else. And so I started doing that. I started to be really intentional about trying to find ways to serve and love this person. And a couple weeks ago, I was, I was sitting with that person and they said, you know, you know th things have been changing in my life and do you know what I wanna do? I wanna go help others see that change as well. And so that person has now started loving other people. See, this is how it works. We as the people of God, me individually, I can't change the biggest problems in the world by myself. But if all of us, the people of God, would stop saying that we love people and start living it, and I'm not trying to step on anyone's toes, you guys are great, but we've gotta live it every single day. And if all the people that claim to love others and the love of God would do that, I think our world would be radically transformed. And so we are called to an active, sacrificial, life-giving love. And so I wanna ask you one last time, the worship team's gonna come up, I wanna ask you one last time. What is the evidence of God's love in your life? What is the evidence of your love for others? What can you think of in the last week in the last month, in the last year, that you could point to and say, that's God's love at work in and through me. I want you to really think about those things. And then I want, to, I want you to think about something else. What can you do this week to put the love of God in your life in action? What can you do to love somebody else? What tangible ways can you do that? We often, in service, um, about once a month with communion, we, we take communion together. And so, so we're going to do that again today. If you haven't grabbed communion, you can go back to the back. There's some left on those two tables by the entrances. But one of the things I love about communion is it's not just a ritual that we do once a month. This is something that teaches us. This is something that reminds us, and this is something that transforms us. A sacrament is God's grace flowing. And so we believe as we take communion, we're not just doing a ritual, we're actually receiving the grace of God. And one part of this is verse 16. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. That's what communion represents, that Jesus gave his body and his blood so that we could have life. But the other side of this that's so important is communion teaches us that it's not just about knowing God's love, it's about living God's love. And so as you prepare for communion as we sing, I want you to be thinking about God's great love for you. Jesus paid it all. The great gift that Jesus gave for you to have life. And I want you to be thinking about how you can pass that love and that life on to others. So be, be praying, be singing, be thinking. And let's ask God to transform us that we could be love illuminated.